the first degree. Son of God hanging on a hill. Hell was my destiny. Crowd was shouting, crucify. Could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. Then I God fill my lungs and the Holy Ghost awaken me. Yeah, the Holy Ghost awaken me. When I read red letters and the ground began to shake, the prison wall. opportunity to be in your house we thank you God for each one that is here we thank you for those that are watching online Lord we just pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint us today to to come down and help us Lord to to learn from you to worship you uh, just to put our trust in you God Uh, Lord we pray for brother Darrell as he comes in a little while to deliver your word speak through him those things that you would have us to hear and may you receive all the blessing and the glory in Jesus name I pray amen
beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus.
Welcome you again to the Lord's house. If you have your Bible with you, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, as we begin the study through the book of Hebrews together. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2. I'll give a short introduction to the, uh, tell you what, Matt, let's do this section. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. Let's do the first statement, and then I'll read the, the uh, text. I'll do a short introduction to the book, and it's also an introduction to verses 1 and 2. Book of Hebrews is a, is a letter written. We don't know who wrote it, but it's a letter written to Hebrews, who, who are Jews, of course, who have been converted to Christianity. So these are converted. This is a converted Christian church. We think the church was probably at Rome by some things that are, that are in, in the letter itself, hence, hence to us that they are Jewish Christians in Rome. It was probably written to a specific church in that town of Rome, and then somehow the letter from that church was, was given and read uh, elsewhere too. Uh, we think by things that are said in it and just by the way the letter is written that it was actually a message that was preached. So probably, probably, a pastor somewhere in Rome wrote this and uh, basically read it to his, to his church on a, on a certain day. Uh, that not, was not an uncommon way to preach uh, uh, early, early preachers almost always would write the sermon out and, and read it. So that's probably what we have here. I'll just read what's on the script of your screen and on the uh, backside of, of your announcements. There's, there's an outline of this. The letter was written, probably spoken, to a group of Hebrew Christians who had never seen Jesus. Because of persecution especially persecution of Christians in, in Rome, they were being tempted to go back to Judaism. This letter encourages them to go forward with Jesus, not back, okay? In a lot of ways, the specifics I know are different. They always will be. But in a lot of ways, that Christian church in Rome is a lot like a lot of us are. We've never seen Jesus in person, face-to-face, and there are things that happen all the time. It's not for us, <clears throat> for us, thankfully, it's not persecution so much, but just things that happen in our Christianity and just in our culture, in our walk, that, that tempts us to go backward instead of forward. And the book of, the book of Hebrews, it will lead us to Jesus constantly and consistently. And that's one of the reasons that I like the book and want to go through this through this book with you. So now, when we go to the text, this will make a little more sense to you. So this pastor, on the Lord's Day, stands up with his congregation, and he begins to read the message that he has written. And to a congregation who is tempting, tempted to go backward. They're wondering, because of all the persecution, why isn't God listening? But more than that, why isn't God speaking? And why isn't God acting? Why isn't God answering? Where is God? 
Is he just watching all of this? Is he just uh, uh, seeing the persecution that we're un under, the hardships that we're under, and, and does, just, does God not care? Where is he? And why isn't he speaking to us? So when that pastor stood up and he began to read, he read verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times in his various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Now he's speaking to a Hebrew converted church. These folks were raised in Judaism. So in verse 1 he said, God used to speak to us through the prophets in the Old Testament. Through the prophets that our fathers. We, you remember that. You were, you were taught that. God used to speak that way. But he has, in verse 2, has, has, in these last days, spoken to us by his son, by Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he, he, he made the worlds. He has spoken to us. God used to speak one way, and you remember your fathers talking to you about that. God would speak to the prophets. But now he has spoken to us through his son. John 1.1 1, 1, that we'll probably come back to but we will refer to a lot. He has spoken to us through his son. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus is the word in Incarnate. I'm going to go through through the outline. Uh, Jesus is God's final word to man. He has spoken. I emphasize that in just the way I said it, and I'll emphasize it again. It's not so much the pastor in that day says, not so much that you're waiting for him to speak, because you're not waiting for him to speak. He has spoken. I don't know if you just don't see it. I don't know if you're just not paying attention to it. I don't know if you're not listening for it. I don't know if you're not watching for something that you're not really ever going to see. I don't know if you're listening for something that you're not ever really going to hear because he has spoken. That church in that day said, when is God going to speak to us? And the pastor stood up and said, he has spoken to you. Through Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He has spoken to you. Now he still is, but it's through his Word. This is the Word. This is the Word that God is speaking through Jesus Christ. God, Jesus is God's final Word to man. There's not going to be another Word. He has Spoken. He's not going to add to it. The next one, if you're looking at your outline, the word of God, the word is God breathed. That's what inspired means. God breathed, the breath of God. It's what God thinks, it's who He is. Nothing can change the word ever. So the pastor explaining to the congregation. Sometimes you're looking for something else. Sometimes you're looking for something more. And sometimes it's actually right in front of you if you will just see it. So he has 
spoken. God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. So what did he say? I'm going to say to you what that early church pastor said to his church. God has spoken to you. So what did he say? And this is where we come to seeing red. That first song we sang, red letters, and we, when I say seeing red, what do I mean? I think, I think a lot of you get it, but some of you are thinking, I don't know what that means. Not every Bible, but a lot, of, a lot of the Bibles that you have in your lap or you have at home, when Jesus spoke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sometimes in Acts, the letters, the words that Jesus spoke are written in red. Not every Bible is like that. But, but a lot are. This, this one is. And so this is what Jesus has said, what is written in red. So what, is, what did he say to you? What has he said to you? It's written in red. A couple examples. Uh, last week I was working with a friend of mine. Uh, there's a book written, and we've gone through the book here a few times. We will continue to go through it. Uh, Richard, Richard Foster wrote a book, The Twelve Spiritual Disciplines. We've taught that here. We'll teach that, uh, that again. friend had a question about one of the disciplines in the 12 spiritual disciplines is prayer. Okay, this, the message today is not on prayer. But so I dug out the book, and I dug out the study notes that I had and, and started to work with my friend on what, on what Richard Foster said about prayer. Okay, fine. I, don't, I didn't remember until I read the chapter again that he wrote. And when he was working on and studying and presenting the 12 spiritual disciplines, and when he came to prayer, he thought, how am I going to present it? How am I going to talk to you about prayer? What he said he did, he bought a cheap Bible, and he went through, and he went through everything that Jesus said about prayer. Every prayer he prayed, of course, and every comment, everything Jesus taught or said at all about prayer, and he cut it out. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this was before computers, so that's original cut and paste. So he, he went through and he cut out everything that Jesus said about prayer, and he cut and he pasted on a board. And so he, he cut it all and he put it on this board, where he could see in order everything that Jesus taught about prayer. And he stared at that board and he studied that board. And he said some things in, in teaching about prayer that my friend was struggling with and probably some things that, that I struggle with too. The message today is not on prayer. But for instance, as he looked at what God's word says about prayer, not what you think about prayer, not what somebody else has told you about prayer, not what you think prayer should be. But this is what Jesus said about prayer, everything Jesus said about prayer, that Jesus never, when he prayed, said, now, Father, if, it be, if, if this is your will. The closest thing you have to it is in, is in the garden when Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. But never did he pray, and never did he teach us to pray that when we pray, at the end of it, we say, now, Lord, if it's your will, 
then this is what I'm praying. I'm just going to stop there, and you'll have to deal with that. But that's absolutely true. He never, Jesus never said, if this is your will, he never wondered. I'll just go ahead and say this. He never wondered if he was praying God's will. He already knew. Now I'll stop, and you'll have to, you'll have to deal with that. How did Richard Foster come up with that? By cutting out, literally, what Jesus said, by studying what Jesus said, it taught him about prayer. He didn't get it from a book, from another book. He got it from God's Word book. He put that on the board, and he stared at it, and he studied it. There's a, a book by, by Henry Nowen that uh, completely changed me, but this is how he came about it. He, he was a was he's pa passed away now he was was a catholic priest and he was uh, working on the story of the prodigal son rembrandt painted a painting a famous one of it's called the return the return of the prodigal son and in the painting it shows the father holding the prodigal son who's the younger and it shows the older son standing beside them, and he's looking on. And Nowen got so into the story, the story of the prodigal son, he went to where Rembrandt's painting was being held, whatever museum it was at that, at that time. He went to see it. He wanted to see the painting in person about this story that Jesus had told. So he, he, he found it. It's, it's rather large. Um, of course, there's, of course there's, there's, there's high security there. You know, you can't just do what you want to do there. You're supposed to, as you're looking at, the, looking at the paintings, you're supposed to walk by and keep on going. But he was so absorbed by the painting, the father and the two sons, that he came up and he stopped and he wanted to stand there and watch it. And the security guard kept trying to move him along. So, so, so finally now, and, uh, it's bad when the Catholic priest gets in trouble in the museum. So finally he went to the administrator of the museum and got permission to uh, stare at the painting. The administrator came and got him a chair and sat down beside the beside the painting and said, you can sit here all day long. And he looked at the security guard and said, na 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 you know, not, he didn't really do that. But there the security guard had, and there, there he sat in that chair all day long. Wanted to stay all night long, but they wouldn't let him do that. And he looked at the painting and he stared at it. And he stared at the father who in the in the painting has his arms around the prodigal and for some reason it captured his imagination with the arms around the prodigal I'll try to do this for, if you're watching online you can see my hand you could see his hand and, and Rembrandt highlighted the hands of the father and now and stared at that and he stared at the expression on the father's face and the expression on the prodigal son's face, and then the expression on the older son's face who was standing beside. And he stared at it all day long. 
Then he went back to God's word and he read the story again. And he read the story again. Every word in red. And he read the story again. And he read the story again. Uh, He's not a friend of mine, but another pastor that I've read. He said before he preaches a text, he reads it at least 50 times. And he teaches a class on preaching. And every preacher who comes through, before they, before they can preach in his class, they have to read it at least 50 times. So now and read it again, and he read it again. And when he taught me through his book about it, it absolutely changed me. Here's what I want to say to you by that, by all of that. There's a kind of a Christian culture that we have today, and it's called, I'm, on, I'm tagging it, Five Minutes with Jesus. Five Minutes with Jesus. Get this over with so we can, so we can go. Read my portion of scripture for the day and make it quick so I can go. Read my devotion for the day, make it quick so I can go. The most unpopular devotion are the long ones. The most unpopular anything in Christianity today is anything long. Because we don't have time. We want to get through it and get through the devotion, get through the scripture, get through the song, get through the prayer so we can go about our day and do the really important things. I've got important things to do. Of course you do. Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody's busy with something. Of course you are. You, you live in America. Of course you are. You're busy with something all the time. Of course you are. I'm not going to downplay it. I'm not going to say that's bad because I'm busy with something all the time. But the five-minute with Jesus thing is part of our problem of why what is God's, why doesn't God speak? Why isn't, does, is God not paying attention? No, it's not that God isn't speaking. It's that we're not listening and that we're not, we're not, we're not seeing it. We're not spending enough, spending enough time with us, with it. It's not important enough to us. And so we're five minute a day Christians. And we wonder, a, fr- a pastor, mentor of mine, I didn't even ask him, but he told me anyway. One day he said to me, your dryness, your spiritual dryness is a lack of the word, period. I don't even have to think about it. He, he said, I don't have to, I, you don't even have to explain anything to me. Your spiritual dryness is a lack of the word. The lack of spending time in the word. Preachers who don't have anything to preach, why? Because they don't have, they're not in the word. Your spiritual dryness is a, lack of, is a lack of the word. Now, I know I know very well that there's other things involved in that too. And I wondered when he told me, I said, well, you know, the spiritual dryness is a little more complicated than that. Yeah, it is more complicated than that. But he said, I guarantee you, without even thinking about it, without even hesitating a, a, a second, 
Spiritual dryness is a result of the lack of the word, period. And he's right. Now, I'm a kind of guy, I've always been in the word some. So, you know, how can you say that spiritual, spiritual dryness is a lack of the word? Because I, I, I am in the word. He said, well, you're not enough in the word. You're at that place where you need more. Right here, right here is where I want to speak to you. Some of you are sitting here. Some of you are watching on, online. You are at that place right here where you need more. Now, you may have well past the five-minute-a-day thing. I mean, you, you're well past that. So, so, so you think, well, you know, I'm past the five-minute-a-day. I'm spending more time than that, so I shouldn't be spiritually dry. I don't care who you are. We're all going to reach a point where we need to go on. We need to go, we need to do, we need to spend more time, we, we need more, more. We need more. The reason that I get physically dry is I'm not drinking enough. Well, I'm, I'm drinking, and the doctor will say, you need to drink more. Well, I tried drinking more. Now the doctor will say, drink more. I mean, the, the, sometimes when I hear what the recommended amount of, uh, the amount of water you're supposed to drink a day is, is, is incredible, he said, you, you need to drink more. It's not that you're not drinking any, that you need to drink more. And that's where I was. And I didn't even tell my pastor friend that's where I was, but he knew it. You're at that spot where you need more. And that's why you're spiritually dry. Jesus told the woman at the well, there's a spring. There can be a spring within you, rising up within you. You will never thirst again. But you've got to drink from that spring. It is... Staring, and I use that word, and I, I hope you understand what I mean, but it's staring at the word. I'm trying to find a page with red. Staring at the word. Spending time with it. Matt, if you would, put John 1-1 back up. It's taking a verse like that, and I'm not going not gonna to go into that completely. But it's taking a verse like that and staring at it. In the beginning, what's that? When time started. When time started, in the beginning, was the word. What's that mean? Was the word. That means the word was already here. Before time began, the word was already, the word was waiting for time to start. The word was waiting for you, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If anybody ever considers that Jesus is not God, show them John 1.1. 1, 1. And you could take that verse, and you could just stay with that verse, and you could dissect that verse, and God could teach you so much from that verse. God could explain to you who you were. God was waiting for you when you came. And God's been, is waiting for you every step of the way. Where is God? He's already wherever you are, and he's already waiting for where you will be. It's not that he's not there. He's waiting for you. He's not behind you. He's ahead of you, waiting for you. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. God has spoken. He has spoken. He's already done it. He's waiting on you 
to listen. Why do you listen? You get into God's word. You stare at the red. You stare at God's word. You spend time with God's word. For somebody in the room, that's where you are. You are I, I know you're already there. You're already in God's word. What he's telling you right now, I'm telling you what the Hebrew pastor told his church. He has spoken. You need to read it. You need to see it. And you need to spend time with it. Grady's going to come and uh, we're going to do our prayer time right now. I'm going to ask you to uh, stand with me, please, as we get ready to pray. These chairs are here. These are our altars. And we welcome you to come and pray. This... Uh, you can always come for anything. I, it doesn't make any difference what the need is or the praise is. You can come to an altar and pray about anything. But I especially want to mention to the person that is searching. You may be in that area where you're dry, where things seem monotonous. Uh, you may be at that point where you're ready to grow. You're really ready to grow. And part of the answer is going to be that time spent in God's word. But if you're wrestling with that and, and trying to find out, God, what is it that you want for me? If you need to come and, and pray, I think that it would be especially, especially about that. Lord, what is it that you have for me? Whatever the need is, while Grady sings, we invite you to come and pray. Washing my eyes to see 
your majesty be still and know that you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of god speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness i'm finding myself and lost for words and the funny thing is it's okay 